What's going on, everybody? Before we get into this new episode of Two Uninformed Opinions, just want to let y'all know that this one, we experienced a few audio issues, but fret not, we're both getting more professional microphones on our end, so we can go ahead and end that once and for all. Uh, But we've got a good episode for you folks. Hope you enjoy it. And like always, like, subscribe, follow, leave reviews on whatever platform you're listening to. And uh, let's get into the episode. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Comedian Booger, and we are bringing you two uninformed opinions. Um, I am you're joining your host, Comedian Booger, and my boy right here, the famous Mark Kearney. Yeah, uh, he fucked my name all up, people, but like he said, I'm famous. I know. You probably know how to pronounce it. Uh, this is Marquette Kearney. You're speaking of the Marquette effect. Your fans going to know how to pronounce it more than me, because <laughs> I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you could have like attempted to sound it out. This motherfucker has said my name at least two thousand times. So put the camera on him, and he can't, he can't talk anymore. <laughs> I want everybody to know that I will be eating dinner during my episode. Of course, of course. Um, it all right. people expect like no high production value from a nigga named Boogie. First of all, let's be honest. <laughs> Once they saw Boogie was part of the podcast. They knew there was going to be some plates, some smacking, some real nigga shit going on. So I'm sure you're not surprising anybody. Oh, wait a minute. I've got to say Grace. All right. Good. We just lost a thousand listeners right then. I saw a video, uh, TikTok today, of somebody doing that. And they did like the, they took the first bite and they closed their eyes real quick, like three seconds and went back. And I was like, I've never seen a more relatable piece of content. (laughs) Bro. I don't know, like you would made a joke about an auctioneer the other day. It's like, how fast do you pray? It depends on how good the food is. <laughs> <We'll> <laughs> determine how fast grace is. Well, if it's if it's some regular old like Taco Bell, I take my time. I need extra blessings. <laughs> but if it's some my wife made, <laughs> if it's some my wife made, it's literally, see what y'all see is the, yeah. What's really happening is God, thanks so much. All right, peace out. Yeah. I just sent him the pray emoji. <laughs> yeah. Right. You got you to look at the visuals for me. What are you <laughs> eating? Uh-uh. You jump bumps. Uh, chicken salad, man. Chicken salad? Is low. Yeah, chicken salad. Homemade chicken salad. Low carbs because your boy is losing weight. Mm. Uh, you've done the loop, the low carb thing before, right? That's none of your business, sir. <laughs> I need you to stay on track. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm asking because I'm trying to remember. Because I remember you said that when I met. So the thing is, when I met you, you were big. So it was like I think you were like the after photo when I met you, but in my mind, you were still the before photo. <laughs> I, was I, didn't have, I didn't have a frame of reference, but when you were on set, you were like, believe it or not. You laughed at all the fat jokes. You like, believe it or not, though, I'm like 30 pounds lighter right now because all your clothes were big, so I believed you. And I want to say yeah. that it was, for all the people listening right now, we're referring to being on set for the movie Thankful for My Family. Hopefully, by the time y'all hear this, Shelton Johnson, the director, writer, and producer of the movie, will have it back on Amazon Prime because it's yes. big to pick it off so he can try to sell it to uh, uh, studios. Um but yes, yeah, so we were on set, Boogie was like 30 pounds lighter. I had just met him, so he was just another fat nigga to me. And he says that he was 30 pounds lighter because 
of eating low carb, which he is back doing. Is that correct? That's right. I am. Why you say back? Like it's like you let niggas know I failed. Yeah, fail. You lost thirty pounds. You might have you might have gained fifty. <laughs> but you did lose thirty. So you the problem is you keep saying I'm back doing low carbs. <laughs> back means nigga fail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's like the untold story of all those before and after photos is these motherfuckers bounce right back. I've been yeah. in that situation. I did, um, you ever heard of Herbalife? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I did Herbalife for like two years, bro. I got leaner than I've ever gotten in life. And when I tell you that shit was a cult, that's why I ended up leaving. I left because I was doing Herbalife and I ended up working, um, like the per- people who got me into the company were like in Miami and New York and all these places. So I didn't have a lot of people around me who were part of my like upline, my team mm-hmm. boy. So I found local people who were also doing it just so I can round myself, so I can surround myself with other people doing what I was doing, right? So I ended up working in the shop and everything was all good. We're all drinking shakes, losing weight, bringing in, getting clients, making money, all that kind of good stuff. But then I started hearing like their thought process, like Herbalife wanted, their goal is to get as many people as possible to join this movement and sell these mm-hmm. products. Now, part of that is we don't want to overload you with information, so we're not going to teach you anything about fitness. Just drink these shakes and lose the weight. And they even yeah. explain you. They're like, if anyone asks you how these shakes work, respond with this. I don't know about that. We got a lot of scientists for that. All I know is I'm down 30 pounds off of Herbalife, right? <laughs> so you got like a canned response. So I worked in this health club with some people and people would come in buy shakes they were trying to sell them on like you know either buying more uh product or joining their team right and i would just hear like the lies they would tell people like i don't know if i can't even say if they were lies or not they just were just totally misinformed so they had like this goofy ass scale that supposedly could tell you how much body fat you lost and how much muscle you gained dude they had people okay. like 74 coming in there and every weekend I would hear, you gain three pounds of muscle. I was like, how the fuck? Is this old bitch Arnold Schwarzenegger? How is this old bitch gaining three <laughs> yeah. pounds of muscle? <laughs> 10 weekends in a row. Every time she comes in, she gains 10 pounds of muscle. Like numbers add up, motherfucker. You can't just. They make exactly. It is like they're reading the same script. Yeah. There was a bodybuilder that came in one time and he was like, well, you know, uh, the shake is delicious, but you know, you can't. Like you, you, you're from a biological perspective, you can't gain more than one pound of muscle per week, right? Yeah, oh, it makes sense. Yeah, he told one of the girls working there, and her response was not, "Oh, this bodybuilder who's been doing this and studying this for like two decades knows more than me." Her response was, "Well, he just doesn't drink Herbalife." I was like, "Bitch, what do you think you're drinking? Some magical concoction? This is still <laughs> a protein shake, bitch. Wake up." Wake up <laughs> or in a cult. <laughs> the Kool-Aid is <laughs> the alien spacecraft is on its way. What she should have said was, sir, I don't know about that. All I know is I lost 30 pounds by drinking shit. <laughs> I lost 30 pounds on Herbalife. <laughs> oh, man. I, I've never. And the bitch was still fat. She was still fat. She lost. She was one of the people who was so big that losing 20 pounds just made her like lowercase big. You know what I mean? Like she, yeah. was big. She, was, she went from being biggest to bigger. Yeah, yeah. 
You went from the biggest bitch in the room to the third biggest bitch in the room, and now you think that everyone should be drinking shakes. Uh, so I, think I, had room, I had to quickly. So I was. I used to be on. Go ahead. Huh? No, I just. I used to be on Weight Watchers. Mm. Um, this is when I first got fat on my my first fat go around. <laughs> so <laughs> that remind me that Dave Chappelle Joe. He's like my first time meeting OJ Simpson. <laughs> you got seven. <laughs> Seven stories behind you regained your fatness. Oh, Let me tell the listeners the now. See what unless when the listeners that know me from back in the day. Uh-huh. I used to be 175 pounds. Yeah. Um and playing football, 175. Really, really use your imagination to get there though. Like <laughs> I don't even think Walt Disney could imagine your ass at 175 pounds. So my listeners, we, y- y'all gonna see the pictures because they're gonna be inserted right here. This y'all, y'all gonna see the pictures of me with me being 175. Um, and then you are gonna see I gradually got a little bigger, but I was still lifting weights, playing football, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Then what happened is I got married on October 16th, 2004. I went on a honeymoon October 17th, 2004. Uh, came back on, we came back on October the 24th, 2004. I was 11 pounds heavier because mm. it was my first time going on a cruise, bitch. And when I tell you, I ate everything they had available. <laughs> it was like, I didn't understand what your eating was until I got on that cruise ship. Uh, and it was just like, Every time we walked past the Lido deck, the little hit, um, Filipino dude was up there like, hey, Boogie, I got your favorites. It was pizza, french fries, hamburger on the same plate. Every time I walked past, I would get up, go walk to the trash can and walk back. He was like, Boogie, I got your favorite. I'm like, hey, I just finished. But the whole time I'm saying, I just finished, I'm reaching up and grabbing my food like, I just finished. You got me another one? Okay. I sit down and eat that. We came back from the honeymoon, and my whole bridal party, my whole lineage crew, met me at, met us at Cheesecake Factory. Mm-hmm. When I walked in, this is literally all I saw. Everybody looked up like <laughs> my shirt that I left to go on cruise with. I came back with this nautical shirt on, uh-huh. tight, tight. Like, and I was like, everybody, like, everybody looked at me like, "Boogie, what the, what the, what the hell, job?" And I said, "Man, I ate everything. I didn't know you can gain ten pounds in a week." And <laughs> So then after that, we got married, bought the house, got used to her cooking. Her food is fucking delicious. Uh-huh. And it shows. So now I became the fat guy of the crew. Now you're Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say the name Boogie matches the fat person. I can't even, like, you would have to change your name from Boogie if you were 175. That's <laughs> how you are now. But it's funny that, like, you caught fatness on the cruise, like, people call COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was laying in the, um, the nurse's, uh, the nurse office on the ship with gravy going through my IV. <laughs> like the fatness is spreading. Where's patient zero? And this is you with the plate. <laughs> this is Boogie Bynum. Like I was patient zero. <laughs> um, the fatness has just been no turning back from them. Yeah. So a couple of years later, I tried to lose and I went and got on Weight Watchers. Mm. And I did great my first week, but nobody told me about water, water weight. Mm. And I was just like, oh, jump off 10 pounds. I can, I got this. I only go to the meeting. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about these damn Weight Watchers meetings. You only lose weight when you go to the meeting. If I go to the, if I go to the joint and weigh in, uh-huh. and they be like, oh, Mr. Bottom, are you staying for the um, class? 
No, I don't need the meeting. Uh-huh. How much did I lose? 1.7. Got it. Mm-hmm. Leaves. Come back next week. Hey, Mr. Bannerman, I said how much you lost today. Well, you're up there this week. <laughs> what do you mean? I should have came to the meeting. I don't know what it is about the meeting. Some sitting in those chairs uh-huh. that make you lose weight. But, yeah, bro. Yeah, if you don't go, if you don't go to the meeting, you gain weight. Yeah. I didn't know they had meetings. So is it is, is Weight Watchers similar to, like, uh, MLM, like Herbalife, where you can, like, sell product? Or, like, how does that work? They, so Weight Watchers do set their own Weight Watcher products, like um, snack bars, mm-hmm. um, drinks. So it's like Alcoholics Anonymous for fat people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to go up front, tell your story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they, 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 they go around the room. And so they'll go right in the room and she'll be like, the person will be like, how much did you, you lost a day? And you raise your hand and be like, I lost six pounds. I lost seven pounds. And everybody give you claps. Yeah. Like, Good job. Good job. And then, um, you know, if you could tell the one that didn't lose this week because, you know, they be like, and you, you'd be like, next. Yeah. I, 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 I don't choose to share. It's private. <laughs> Bitch, you gain. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. We're not watching your weight. Yeah. Uh, I don't so, know if I can do that. And then they go on like, that again? And then they go in with the stores, like, and they, all they do is they go in with the stores until, like, you are supposed to be motivating your classmate, your uh-huh. meet mates. So it's like, they were like, okay, Mark, what did you do this week? To, uh, what did you eat this week that helped with your weight loss? So you tell it. And other people are like, hmm, I like beans. I like one bean. Let me let me eat one bean. That uh-huh. might work for me. And we got to count your points with Weight Watchers. Hmm. So you be in the grocery section, especially if you can't add. You be in the grocery section looking at the uh, frozen food like, uh, it's a day six. <laughs> I got five points left. I can eat that. Yeah. I don't know about all that. The thing, so it's like with Weight Watchers, I know a lot of fat people who do it. You don't really see a lot of fit people who are like, well, how'd you get so fit, sir? How'd you get those, that six pack, Weight Watchers? No, it's normally like a fat person or a person who's less fat, but still fat. Like, yeah, what? Like, you can see Oprah on the commercials. Why is Oprah your yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why is Oprah <laughs> big fat ass? She looking like her logo, that big ass O. <laughs> Why is her big yeah. ass Telling you how her arms jiggle a little less now <laughs> because. Yeah. Hey, I love bread. <laughs> it's like, you need to chill out with the bread. Chill out with it. I don't get, I don't know. It's like, it's like, cause when I would talk to people who were like most fit, you know, some people you go to the gym and if you go to the gym and you look at where all the fit people are and where all the fat people are, the fat people normally on the cardio equipment. And then the fit people normally lifting because fat and people. And the fat fat ones are still sitting on by the door. Yeah. Struggling to put the yeah. shoes on. Sitting in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to build up the curb and <laughs> get up on that. Yeah. Take, take a selfish with the sign. <laughs> Bro, I thought they were lying. I thought they were lying when they said that Planet Fitness serves pizza. I thought it was just Bro. But they really in their slanging slices, bro. Yeah, on like, Fridays. Yeah, slices too. Not even like, you know, strategically small cut slices that you can hand out just so people could feel good, but like big ass New York style slices, just grease yeah. grease dripping on the dumbbells. I can't tell you how many times I dropped weight in that motherfucker because of pepperoni grease. <laughs> Yeah. Why are you giving these pizza, man? Bro, I used to I used to do Miss Fridays. Like <laughs> I went, I was I was at the gym on Fridays. I mean, I joined because of that. Uh-huh. It was like I'm joining. She said, "Sir, it's a good job you're gonna get fit." I said, "Fit? 
time fitting to the slices of pizza on Fridays. <laughs> I paid my they paid my hundred and twenty dollars a year to give me a slice of pizza every Friday. Uh nah, I can't I can't do it, man. I thought about it though, like cause I was at Planet Fitness right before COVID. And I went there on a Friday. I normally would go like earlier in the day, but I went that evening and they had like twenty yeah. big ass boxes and just everyone just lined up. And I'm like, what are y'all doing, man? Y'all gonna be fat forever. What fucking ever? Like, you can buy your own pizza, bro. I'm not eating gym pizza. Not gonna do it. Why would you? Bro, it's some about the same place with people. The smell of the smell of sweat eat while eating pizza tastes, tastes delicious. <laughs> that combination. You still see random spoons on your shirt and a red juice that has decreased in volume that I've not seen you drink at all, but <laughs> it was full at one point. Now that bitch first is bone dry. First of all, it's not juice. It's water. It is? Yeah. What am I seeing this red? Is it just the label? It's water, sir. But <laughs> You got the squirt stuff in it. It's sparkling water. First of all, my nigga, that's not water. It's this is water. water. Spark with the camera. Sparkling water <laughs> beverage. I guarantee you, if you drink that shit and not not any water, you will be in the hospital with kidney stones. I guarantee I will. <laughs> I've had an argument with 19 people. Need <laughs> 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 you drink a six glass of water a day. All right, cool. I got this sparkling uh, Kool Aid here. That serves as that would mean spring water. Yeah, this is water. That's such a Weight Watchers thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> what were we in the conversation? People, if, uh, depending on how I edit this, you may have heard like a blip in the conversation. Um, why do you have like, your hair look like uh, the top of popcorn when you make it on the up? <laughs> <laughs> but people, if you're just not hearing this, uh, this we had a technical issue. Boogie didn't pay a cell phone bill, so we had a drop off in service. Uh, but we're back in business now. We're talking about how he thinks sparkling flavored sparkling water is actually water. And I disagree. Uh, hopefully we can have a doctor listen to this podcast with chime in and tell us what, what, what's really good. But why are you wearing the, the plastic cap on the head? What's the purpose? Keep like the, the moisture? Yes, I have to keep my moisture, my um, curves moisturizing. Mm-hmm. You're like foghorn leghorn right now. <laughs> I mean, I want all the ladies out there. Look at Luxurious. Well, that's luxurious. Luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I say, you from the street. Look how luxurious it is. The inspiration for his hair was a large fry from uh, a large curly fry from Arby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at his bounce back. I'm wondering. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. How long yeah. you let How long are you? How long are you gonna throw it out? Uh, I don't know, bro. I gotta not too long because when it get too too long, it get uh, it's hard to detangle. Yeah, start falling. I mean, it's crazy. It's not a conversation. I expect you and that half, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind sharing my natural hair product techniques. Uh, All right, <laughs> that's that's good for the audio quality. <laughs> Man. But yeah, I had to keep my keep my keep my you're ashy. You're a little ashy around the edges. Yeah, I mean that's what it's supposed to do. That's that's called uh, you'd have had the thing on too long. Oh, <laughs> I just hate the distraction of viewers. It's like it's 
It's like you had on really good blackface, but it ran out of the black stuff. <laughs> Not everybody gets to see my real complexion. Yeah. But it'll go, it'll stay out. It'll, it'll just be a distraction for, uh, it'll just be a distraction for a little while while people watching this podcast. They already had you eating your low-carb diet, drinking your fake water, you know. I mean, what else? You might as well just start juggling or some shit. And full <laughs> 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 of antics tonight. All of our listeners have already left this podcast five minutes in, so we might as well go ahead and do what the fuck we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this Chad with Bozeman situation, man. Man, that don't hurt me. Bro. And so, bro, and it's like, I think that the reason why, like, I felt a certain type of way for a minute was because I put on my Facebook page a video between him and Denzel. Like, he was telling the story how Denzel paid his um, college tuition and everything. Mm-hmm. So, it's two videos that I have on my phone. And I've had my phone for the past two, three years that I watch. So, this video with um, Chad, we're talking, to, talking about Denzel. I watch maybe like once a month. A little inspirational. But the other John Denzel got, he's giving a college, um, a college, uh, What's that called? Commencement speech? Yeah, thank you. The commencement speech. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the one who didn't go to college. I don't know. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted one. <laughs> so always pride, never the pride. <laughs> <laughs> but he was giving this commencement speech. That's like one of the main ones that I um, listen to like maybe like every two weeks. Every other week, my list is like once or twice. And the thing about it is, because you can feel yourself get discouraged sometimes, especially acting. You keep submitting, 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 submitting. And you have to remember, it's not you. You're not the problem. They have in mind what they're looking for already. You know, so it's like, you got to come in and deliver the best of your ability, because you don't know what they're thinking. You got to deliver the best of your ability. And you can come in and kill that shit. They be like, oh, man, he was great. But he's not skinny. Or... He's not tall enough. He's not short enough. You know, things like that. So that those videos, man, I, I watch all the time. So when Chadwick was gone, it was like, ugh, man, that's another one going young. And I hope Marvel don't try to go make no uh, no more Black Panther movie with somebody else. Yeah. I saw that they were, um, like when Ian sent that to the group, I had like just saw it. And then we got that group text that uh, Chadwick had passed. And I was like, 2020, man, it's just a crazy, crazy year. Um, but, you know, you saw, you go through social media, you see everyone uh, sharing stories, seeing how they, they're just completely shocked that he actually was going through that battle, you know, virtually by himself and with obviously close friends and family, or probably just family. Um, but like even people who were close to him didn't even know that he was struggling with that. But, yeah, man. I think like that should be something actors look at. People in general can be inspired by that story, but you know, people who are in the same career can see like what hard work truly looks like. Like, yes, to work that hard and lead a movie and be going through stage four cancer to that degree, and then to not to perform so well and still keep your energy and spirit so high on set that yes. no one knows. I mean, can you imagine, and granted, I'm not saying that we on any kind of level, same level as Chadwick, but can you imagine all the long hours that we put in on set 
And imagine one of us going through uh, chemo. Yeah. And stage four during that. Yeah. We, man, we, we was already tired. We healthy. Yeah. I was being pissy on set with some certain people for yeah. live up and shit. I can imagine if I had chemo with it. Yeah. I've been walking around telling everybody. So the fact that he would keep it to himself. Yeah. You could have been using like, that to like the front of the, uh, the lunch line. You know I got cancer, right? No chemo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Chadwick, uh, that was a crazy situation. Um, I tell you what, though, it may be too soon. I got no jokes about the situation, but I did see that a lot of people were saying that they didn't want them to recast for Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And I can see where people are coming from with that. I can empathize with it. Like me being Marquette, a person, I empathize, I understand. But me being a superhero fan and a Marvel comic fan, I'm like, nah, yeah. We got to get another person for that role. That what if I died tomorrow, and my job was like we're not hiring another guy for his position. We want to honor the work that he did. Uh, we're just going to keep that position vacant, and the rest of the people can pick up the slack. I was like, no, you're going to find like you're going to pay probably pay for the funeral, send your condolences, and then you're going to go indeed and write some shit up like we need another person. <laughs> what are you talking about? Do yeah. magnificent things to honor him. That is not honoring him, um, saying that we don't want anyone else to occupy that role. I don't think that is the right way to honor him. Just because you like it should be done. So can they, can they do that role? How do you feel they did their role, but the Black Panther never took his mask off? I don't think that would work. Because, like, because... Me, I always read comics growing up. Like for, I always get like obsessed with things I don't fuck with no more. So I read comics for like a good three years. Not a stop. Yeah. Um, but during that three years, I read Black Panther comics, and like he's 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 dual characters. He's both the yes, Black Panther yes. warrior, and then he's the fucking king. So that yeah. was depicting him as the warrior. I heard people say like, "Oh, we should just have his younger." Have you seen? You've seen the movie, right? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm excited to see the movie. Read the comic books. Gotcha, gotcha. So, you know, his sister, like in the comics, I never read that part of it, but I understanding the storyline, they say his sister ultimately takes over. She yes. the Black Panther and like the queen or the king, however it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying like, okay, well, for the movies, let's just do that. Let's just have her take Go over. Ahead, move on. And I wouldn't mind that. Um, I would mind that. I'm just... <laughs> A part of me is like thinking about the, the, the cancer culture people in the back of my head. You know what? I would mind that because part of the reason is that you watch superhero films is you kind of live vicariously through the character. Yeah, you, you, and you root for them. You've got used to rooting for them. Yeah, so you, you live, but like I wouldn't want to see an action woman, uh, action movie that consisted of just women, not because women can't do action films. I mean, there's Scarlett Johansson kills it as Black Widow. There's I think Darren was just an adult one on Netflix. Obviously, they can't. But part of you watching the action film is kind of to live vicariously, for men at least, to live vicariously through those characters. I know everyone, especially in Black culture, has the experience of going to the movie theaters, watching like a Bruce Lee film, and then leaving feeling like you can do that shit, right? Oh, absolutely. Everyone. But if that was a woman doing that, you wouldn't feel that way. Maybe little girls would, but for a man, you wouldn't. Watching a woman do that doesn't make you feel like you can do the same thing, right? So, although I think I'm not against her doing that, 
if that's the route that Disney wants to go, fine. All mm-hmm. I'm saying is if we already got a dope-ass Black Panther two-story written, and we already found a way to make that fit into, like, the rest of the movies like they've been doing, let's not change that. Let's go with that. <laughs> let's find a, another dude who can occupy that position and try to find another way to honor Chadwick, which I think they're doing by, like, making a Wakanda-themed park. Um, which is dope, but there's tons of way to honor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Without, and you know, what's crazy is one of the dopest people that could have played that part now is unfortunately Killmonger. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't. Not to get too much into a Black Panther conversation, but I like Michael B. Jordan. Mm. I think that he did do a good job at Killmonger, but. I didn't believe him. I think okay. visually they picked the perfect person. He looks like how I want, I would have wanted Killmonger to look. He had mm-hmm. to look down. I just didn't believe him in a villain role. As it's something, and that, I've talked to friends about it who will watch these types of films as well, and they agree. They were like, yeah, I just didn't, I couldn't buy into him playing that character. He sounded like he was trying to be. I'll try to make a parallel real quick. Like, I've talked to people, like, about Jamie Foxx portraying Ray and mm-hmm. Will Smith portraying Ali. And it's like, you can't really compare the two because Will Smith seemed as if he was doing a an, an decent impression of Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx became Ray Charles. And there's yeah, a- yeah, yeah, I thought he was Ray Charles for a little while. Like, I forgot that it was Jamie Foxx. He became that motherfucker. So it's like with Michael B. Jordan, when he played Killmonger, it's like he was trying to portray a villain instead of becoming a villain like Heath Ledger did. Uh, Heath Ledger was the greatest. I mean, he was outstanding. He was the best villain ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw a video today of uh, another podcast talking about movies, uh, Batman movies in particular. And they were like, Bane did just as good of a job. They just feel like the... Batman movie that the Joker was in, I think Dark Knight was it? Dark Knight um, mm. was just a, a better written film, just a better movie, and that character was more iconic. But when it comes to acting, the guy who played Bane, what's his name? I forgot the guy's name. Can't think his name. I'm um, bad with names, bro. Really? Um, but he was, he did a great job too. So, like from an acting perspective, like Heath Ledger may have. A, may have done a slightly better job, but I still think they really did become those characters. They were highly believable uh, on the film. And for this new Batman trailer, I don't know if you've seen it with Robert Pattinson. No, not yet. Okay. I don't know what the hype is. People are hyped as fuck about this movie. Robert Pattinson looks like Edward Cullen from the vampire movies that he was in is now trying to become a bat for real. <laughs> That's what it what it looks like. I'm like, bro, I don't know what y'all... And it may be a great movie. I'm just saying the trailer that we've seen uh, does not look like it's going to be that that fantastic. Yeah, I feel you. I was hype about was the, the black... It's a black actor, dude. I forget his name. He always plays like a supporting role. He's never the protagonist. He's like an older, light-skinned dude with like a Shelton head. It's a big-ass head. A mushroom head. That's huge. <laughs> like, just a, That's a good. head head. That alone is going to take a lot of thinking. Yeah. Mm. 
But he, 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 uh, I'm thinking of what he played in. Just me? That you would have watched. He's playing a lot of stuff, man, but it's like, it's, it's always like random roles. There's like no consistent theme of what he plays in. Like, there's one, there's one show that comes on HBO with like the ro- it's robots, and the robots are, are, they're like realistic. Westworld is the name of the, movie, of the TV show. And he, plays, he plays the black guy up there. I, I haven't seen Westworld. I, I forget his name. You know what? We're on a podcast, which I can, oh. and you're eating a loud carrot. So I can look it up right now. His name is Jeffrey Wright. This guy. Can you make that out? Oh, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite actors, man. He does a phenomenal job. Yeah. He's good as um he's real good as a as a supporting. Has he has he won anything for best supporting? I don't know. So are there actors? So from you would know more than I do because you've been doing this acting thing for a while. In the acting in, in the acting culture, do actors is there ego to where like every actor wants to ultimately play that protagonist role? Or do some just want to just live their lane? It's like, okay, I'm always a supporting character. I'm gonna do the support the best supporting character role as possible, and I'm just gonna stay in the space. Like, how is it? Um, no, everybody w- want to have that. You know, this is my movie. This is me. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think people like him don't don't get those type of roles, given that he's known as being a phenomenal actor? Because it's easy to get typecast as something, and they always want you to be the sidekick of something else. Mm-hmm. Um, that is one of the things that I believe that could happen to me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm the fat, lovable, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am thankful for shooting for my man because it was dramatic and naturally syndicated. Um, and so people got to see me in a, in a, doing a dramatic role and not just a comedic role. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I can now show people do versatility. Some of the other dramatic stuff I've shot because off camera, like when, when the camera's not rolling, we just hanging around set. I'm, you know, as you know, I'm the funny guy. I'm always yeah. the funny person. Yeah. Directors see that. <laughs> Excuse me, directors will see that and be like, hey, when we say action again, I want you to do your lines a little different. I want you to do it this way. So yeah. in one of my joints, I did had a serious role. I played the cashier of a store, and I'm supposed to be irritated that this guy ain't got no money and all that stuff. But he was like, just freestyle something, whatever you want to do. Uh-huh. And so I did it about five times, um, and I did it serious on the first two. Just to say, okay, we got a good one. After that, it became me just messing around with the guy when he came up. When the uh, short film finished, that's what they used. They used me joking around. Mm. The um, they're like, you're perfect for that. I understand. But I think that's the part that I'm trying to avoid is being typecast. But if you, if you, if you are very good at something and like they see you in this movie and you did an excellent fucking job on it, it's easy to get typecast because people like they writing something have you in mind of it. They be like, yeah. "Okay, I'm gonna write this script, and you know, Marquette he'll be good for this one. I'm gonna write this, write this, write this." You just got finished playing a role, something like that. They be like, "Hey, got this other role for you, similar to what you did here." And then that conversation now start happening whatever every shoot. Yeah, similar to what you did here, similar to what you did here. Yeah, so that's how the typecast starts. I can appreciate that though, because I can appreciate how like challenging that probably is, considering that as an actor. 
roles aren't easy to come by, especially in the beginning. So it's like, on the one hand, you don't want to be typecasted. And on the other hand, you don't want to take food out of your mouth. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. You have to, you have to accept some typecast mm-hmm. at first, but then you, and then it's up to you as an actor to put yourself in more auditions for something that's different from the character you've been playing. Because if you're, if you have your agent and everything and people start writing stuff for you, that's where the typecast come in. If you're just mm-hmm. sitting back waiting for some, you know, stuff to fall in your lap, those were the typecast roles. So it's up to you as active. If you start seeing that you start getting typecast, it's like, all right, I need to go start auditioning for some different things. So I get an opportunity to widen my, um, broaden my horizon, so my what, resume. At what point, you just made, you just said that when you start to see yourself getting typecast, at what point, like how many roles would you have to get that is the same role where that light bulb goes off, where it's like, okay, I'm starting to get typecasted? I think for me, it would have been my third one. If I get my, my, once I get number three, like, wait a second. Uh-huh, wait a minute. These niggas want me. think I'm a fat guy for real. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I tried to tell everybody, I'm, I'm fat, but I ain't fat fat. <laughs> fishy is going on. I can't get gas as a fat guy. Who do these people think I am? I'm in the white uh, God damn it. Am I, re- am I really fat? It's just stop going and look in the mirror like, well, I'd be damned. I am fat. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that'd be a funny skit. That'd be a real funny skit. As a dumb character it was like, they think I'm fat. And while he's eating while he's saying it. Yeah. I can, I wanna, I can play the guy on the beach. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's um, seeing like Ian, uh, people listening who don't know who Ian is. There's people who we're going to refer to a lot in this podcast. Ian and Shelton, who uh, both were in the movie thing for my family. Uh, but Ian is the played the brother of mine in the movie, and he's another guy who's like takes acting extremely serious like Boogie does. But seeing that he was on backstage and looking actually looking for jobs, like got my gears turning. He's like, okay, let me go ahead and get my shit set too, because that's one place where I've not really played in, right? Like any acting opportunities come my way, any mentions have just been serendipity or just just blessings. It hasn't really been yeah. actively so. Um, cause my mindset has always been like, okay, put out content. And then from the content, that's like the engine that generates opportunities for you. But mm-hmm. who's to say you can't put it, do both, both put out yeah. content and go for these things, like go directly to it instead of trying to find like a roundabout way to get to that same goal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I gotta make sure that I don't fucking have like a detachable beard so they don't have have me playing the same. We need a bearded, thuggish looking uh, black guy. Yeah. You know, I've always, so what is your dream role? What is like the role that would make you over the moon if they told you you got it? See, so here was crazy about that. Uh-huh. I'm going to get typecast for it. <laughs> 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 My dream role is a role that I probably get typecast for. And that's, I can just be me. Like, they just want to hire me to be me. Uh-huh. Just let me go. And, and it's like, if I could just be the guy that's always cracking jokes or, you know, um, don't take nothing serious. Um, always got some intellect, uh-huh. but it's usually follow up with a joke or yeah. something like that. So, so that's what my role is, play myself. If that's, your, if that's your ideal role, then what's the problem with being typecasted from your perspective? Because I'm better than just that. I can do other things. I can be dramatic. I can cry. 
So let I me ask do, you. Um, so if are you saying so the the scenario that pops in my head that's given me mm-hmm. is let's say that you do get that dream role and you get typecasted in that role for Hollywood, but you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm an actor though, I could do more things. But if you are getting casted as this role, you would be able to do smaller budget things in whatever role you wanted because you've already proven to have a certain level of success. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Like if Jamie yes. Foxx got typecasted as like just a biopic guy because he won an Oscar mm-hmm. for Ray, he could still go in like a, a, a national play and play whatever role he wanted because they know all, people are going to buy tickets to see him in whatever yeah. role he wants. So would that scenario not fulfill the desire for you to play multiple types of characters? It could, it could definitely help, um, definitely help. And I think that if I got typecast to be me, like for instance, if, if it was a TV show, mm-hmm. like if we had a series, that's different because that's my job to show up and act this way on TV every day. Yeah. Um, whereas it wouldn't feel like acting. But if you're in a movie, you only got this certain amount of time to act like this. And so if, like, if I get another movie, then I was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to do this. So that's why. So that's another thing to help answer the question is my actually dream role is actually not in a movie. My dream role is to be on a TV series. Mm. Why do you think that is? Like, what, what about that is so appealing? Um, because of the, and definitely has nothing to do with money, but because of the fact that I get to see myself on TV every week. Hmm. Different thing. I want. I want fan. I want my fans to be able to have actual emotional attachment to me. First, they have me in a movie. You only got emotional attachment for two hours, hmm. you know. But if you if I'm on your show, I'm on DVR every week. That means you're seeing me every single week. Yeah. And people become attached to those characters. Um, I mean, look at the dude on Power. You know, people yeah. are snapping on him in public. Um, you know, did you kill ghosts? Uh, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you got stuff like that. So I want people to have the uh, actual, I don't care if I'm hated. Uh-huh. I just want you to have an attachment to me. You know, so I want them to see me and probably like, this bitch, fans. <laughs> Damn boogie. Yeah, so it's like, I want that. And because uh-huh. I'm now on your TV screen every week versus just two hours. Mm-hmm. And then you got to wait another year and a half for my next movie to come out for me to be doing, you know, naming something else. Yeah. I want, I want a TV, TV series. I got you. That's kind of relates to what my ideal scenario is, is because like I was thinking for a while about like just wanting to write for a show. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Writing for a show is fucking tough, man. Just like and I have no personal experience doing it, but just like writing by myself and then hearing stories of people who write for shows. It's like a very it demands a lot of you. the hours are mm-hmm. really long. But I would love to be like in the Kenya Bear situation. Would love yeah. to like yeah. be able to write a show based on like something I'm passionate about uh, and have a hand in casting it the way I want it to be casted. Right. And I would like doing that. And I would like even more to be in a more of a Donald Glover situation. I guess Kenny Barrison is the same for y'all don't know. Kenny Barrison is the one who created Blackish and whatever show of his is on Netflix where he plays the main character. Um, I would love, that's my, if I was to get that tomorrow, I probably would be depressed because I would be like, what's next? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's why no. certain people like celebrities go get really depressed, sometimes commit suicide because it's like you have this big dream that you think is going to take a long time to achieve and you achieve your lifelong dream at age 30. And now you got to live for another 
60 years. It's like what that's why I think like I empathize a lot with athletes. Cause it's like think from like an athlete, you say you play football. If like you're someone who's really good, like Shelton was at football, mm-hmm. and you get to the league and you you for you're you're blessed in a way to where you can excel even there with like the toughest competition, and then your knee blows out at age 28. You've spent your entire life focused on this one thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Your entire Yeah. Like people who train for the Olympics and stuff, they don't have a life, bro. Their life is fucking like if you are a gymnast, you yeah. on the rings, bro. <laughs> you on the rings twenty four seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the rings. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But get to them floor exercises. <laughs> exactly. Do the flips, nigga. Yeah. Like that's your life. And then you get to a place where you can't do it no more and you still and you're still young. So it's like, what's next? What could you possibly do that would still fuel? That's why I always wanted to be involved in the industry. Because I've always, like, I look at people around me. I look at people's stories. And I, like, I see who I want to aspire to be. But I also see the people who are like, okay, I don't want to end up like that. That person, like, they're not going to a good place. So, okay, let me look and see what they did to get them to that place and avoid that path 1,000%, right? Um, And, you know, that's why I wanted to be involved in the industry that had, like, staying power. Like mm-hmm. acting, you can do forever. Yeah. One of those There's always going to be like, you can be 82. There's going to be like, we're at class of 82 year old person. Like, perfect. Yeah. Um, but for what I'm doing, comedy, comedy writing, all that kind of stuff, you can do that. You can do stand up forever. You can die on yeah. stage. So I think that's why we're in a unique situation where we can continue doing the thing we love for as long as we live because your dream can be. For your situation, you really dream of being an actor, your dream could be alive forever. Yeah, that's true. Be that next audition is going to be the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think oh, that's a really good situation to be in. I've definitely had some auditions where I just knew, like, those are the ones that, that really get to me. It's the ones that you go in and you be like, you know, you feel good about yourself sitting in the waiting room until they call your name. They come to the door. You know, they do the boogie. I'm like, here we go. Walk yeah. in, you get to meet directors and producers and everything. And already, naturally, I'm going to win them over anyway, just off straight off top off of meeting them. Uh-huh. Um, me going in right off the bat saying that my name is Boogie already has conversation talking when I get there. Yeah. Um, when they look at my resume and they see my resume kind of long, and then at the bottom, they see I do improv. Usually in the interview, I mean, um, audition, I have probably directed like, Wait a minute, you do improv? Yeah, they were like, oh, I've always wanted to try this. And they'll sit there and give me, you know, all right, I want you to imagine that you sell dog food and at the same time, you scared to get on roller coasters. Action. <laughs> and you be like that. No preparation, so like, just go. Yeah, just go. So I've done that plenty of times in the joint. And yeah. then they're like, oh man, they be like, man, that is great. That's great. All right, let me go read these lines. You know, here you go. This is your reader. Action. And I'd be sitting there and kill the lines. And they'd be like, oh my God, this is great. This is great. He's going to beat everybody. He's going to beat. And yeah. to make you feel good, I'd be like, yes. I leave out like nobody's going to beat me. Yeah. So, because I mean, not only did I deliver the lines, you know, flawlessly, I can improv. So they already know if something goes on the set, they can't worry about saying cut. Just let the camera keep rolling. And I'm, you know, I'm going to tear it up. Yeah. Man, number one, you don't hear nothing. 
<laughs> you like so the ones that make you feel the best. You don't you don't hear anything back from them. I don't hear nothing. The ones that go in and be like, I did good, but I don't know about the one. Those ones get the call back for. So why do you think that is? Again, the, as I was talking about at the beginning, is that you don't mind not, even though you killed the role, you're not what they're looking for. Got they, you, the person that is sitting there doing the audition, not, well, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, I'm going to say about seven times out of ten, it's not the person that's going to make the final decision. Mm-hmm. If it's for a commercial or um, something specific like that, you can go into an audition. The person that is paying for the commercial, so the sponsor or whoever it is, they're the ones that have had the final decision. So they'll come in. The director and everything will be there. They'll give. So let's say, for instance, you sell shirts, uh, Marquette shirts. You're not going to come to the audition. You're, you're too busy for that. You're going to send your director and your producers and stuff. They record video, record you. And so what happens is they come back to you like, all right, boss, here you go. These are the auditions you have. This one we really like. And they'll show you, this is Boogie, Killer Lines. Then they'll show you somebody else. And they were like, oh, you know what? He did do good, but he's going to look better in this shirt. Mm-hmm. The shirt not going to look so tight on him because... He don't have breasts. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and give it to this guy. And it'd be shit like that. Gotcha. So real small things. This is why acting is one of those things, man. You yes, got to have that tough skin. Um, got to have to. If any of the listeners out here are thinking about getting acting, if you scared at all, don't do it. It is not. If you, if you don't like rejection, this is absolutely not uh, the career path. You got to have patience. You have to have, because one thing with patience is when you go to an audition, only thing that you see up front, and you'll know all the information because you find this information out before you even submit for it. They tell you up front, hey, this shoot date is going to be December 1st, and today is November 26th, but the shoot date is uh, December 1st. You go in, you do the audition, you're like, all right, cool. So they got to call back sometime before then. It'll be December, December 2nd. They'll be like, well, I ain't hear nothing. If you didn't get it, you're not gonna hear anything. They're not gonna, it's not like a job interview when they're like, hey, we decided to go with somebody else. They don't care about you. They just don't contact you. It's just they only contact the ones that's gonna be in, in, the, in the production. Yeah. So if you don't hear by a certain date, you know you didn't get it. Up to the day before shoot day. Uh-huh. The day before shoot day is when I know I was saying. So what I do is I go in audition and got to learn from um, Denzel. When I go into the audition, I immediately forget about it. And I start looking for the next audition. Like, I look for auditions maybe twice a day, um, every, every single day. Like, I don't miss um, every single day because the day you miss, they something pop up. Yeah. And um, and you catch it the following day, but by the time you catch it, 10 dudes are already submitted for it. Yeah. Um, so I forget about the audition, but before I go, when I find out that, yes, we want you to come to an audition, first thing I do is I go onto my Google, um, my Google Calendar thing, and I actually put in shoot date is such and such a date for this production. So they would have to forget about it. So then I go look at my calendar line. Let me see. Oh, I didn't get that because that one's gone. That one's gone. Didn't get that. And there's a lot of check marks in that motherfucker that you don't get. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of a quote. It was like, uh, it was a quote. I forgot who said it. And I don't even know what, I'm paraphrasing the quote. But he was basically saying that people should go for big audacious goals. Because even if they fail, he says, hard to fail completely. Right? So... Like, mm-hmm. apply that to what you just described. You go to an audition, you don't get it, but you won them over. That could be someone who is going to be a part of the next audition that you audition for. They remember yeah. you. That's why you get yes. it. Right? Absolutely. 100%. I think for act for everything, you got to have the right mindset. 
right? Yeah. Every endeavor, you got the right mindset. For something like acting, you got to make sure that shit is dialed in first before you go out there and, and, and face all those notes. That's, yeah. that's a hard thing to come back from. But, uh, yeah, man, I think I'm going to hop up there and start looking for some opportunities, man, and um, put the fillers out because I was telling Ian, I was like, he was like, should I do this one? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. And plus now I feel like you may have a leg up on people who are afraid of COVID. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you take mm-hmm. it But some people may not be actively seeking out opportunities. Like you may yeah. not have much competition if, as you would have if the world was normal right now. So this yeah. might be the time for a little come up. And absolutely, because even with somebody like me who I don't mind paying for myself to go on auditions or paying myself to be in your production. And I say, when I say pay, I'm paying you, I'm literally paying you to be in the productions because you hire me as a local. You shouldn't in Atlanta. So if you tell me that you're hiring a local, that already means that you're not paying travel. So I pay my own way to be there. So if my, if you, my, my, my fee, not my fee, what you're going to pay me is $300. Mm-hmm. My airplane ticket could be 310 Then I got to have a place to stay when I get there. That's $80 a night. So now, once I go past my what I'm about to make out of your production, once I go, once I meet that, anything I do after that, I'm now paying to be in your production, mm-hmm. and I have no problem doing that at all. Like I, I paid to go to auditions because auditions be in Atlanta. I, I mean, you got to be there to get there. So I fly myself to Atlanta. Um, so and with that, it's like I because of COVID. Because of my wife and my daughter and you know my parents and everything, I haven't even attempted to go to look for stuff to sell Atlanta. So I'd be on I'd be on the side when I look for location. If it's past North Carolina, I'm like next. Because mm-hmm. I just want I that be somewhere I can drive to. That be somewhere I can drive to. Um, because I'm not ready to get on plane yet. Gotcha. I mean, yeah. I agree with that mindset, man. As far as like, I can see it both ways, but I think that you paying to be in a production is just an investment. It's an investment like any, it's no different than me buying a nice microphone for this podcast, which I'm not going to do. Y'all are going to deal with this shitty audio for as long as I want you to. But if I were to in a mystical land buy a microphone for this podcast, that would be considered an investment in my craft. So if you're someone who's acting and you're like, you don't really have any, you've not booked anything yet. Like you're still in that phase where you're trying to get experience. You may have to, you know, shed out some, some cash in order to go ahead and get that. Exactly. Exactly. Pay off in the long run because acting is one of those things, I guess, because it appeals to so many people. Sometimes you get people who are kind of young minded there and they Mm -hmm. don't think about things in that way. You're like, well, if you're not paying me, I'm providing a service. I should get paid, right? Especially like the younger, like Generation Z and stuff, were really about like you know, not about rights, but about just fairness and equality. And yes. that sounds good on paper, but like people who are a little more seasoned, we know that that, that kind of stuff isn't. It's not so black and white in that way. Like exactly. at a level, you got to pay dues. Uh, yeah. And if you're in a pay and dues phase, you just gotta, as Gary Vaynerchuk says, he yeah. yeah. Like the process, man. Enjoy the journey. This is where the story, you, you got st- the stories you're going to tell when you're 40 are coming from right now. You know what I mean? So just embrace that. Exactly. And that's what I tell everybody. It's like, so when, it, when, I'm, when I'm 60, it's my interviewing me. Tell me how it was when you first started out. I paid for myself a lot of places. 
audition. This is what happened where I was. I had to get to him. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's, just, it's just part of your story. You're building up your story now. You Everything that you're doing between now and you make it big is building answers for your interview. Yeah. That's what I tell people. I'm, I'm just building answers for my interview. Yeah. And I tell a lot of people, I'm already famous. I'm just waiting for the rest of the world to find out. There you go. That's the mindset right there. And on that note, I think we can go ahead and end this thing. It's almost like we got to change his name because the last half of this was definitely not too informed, uninformed opinions, was too informed. No, we, we, we actually knew a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people, that you heard it. This is the episode two in the books with uh, the two uninformed opinions with Marquette and Boogie. Um, always go ahead and like, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, subscribe if you're on Apple listens to this, Spotify listens to this, make sure you leave a review. That'll help us out a lot. And until next time, we're out. All right, people, that was another episode for the books of the Two Uninformed Opinions podcast. Hopefully you can make it through that rough audio experience. Like I said, at the beginning of this episode, we're getting mic, so bear with us. Uh, but yeah, if you enjoyed this, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, um, share it with a friend who you think would enjoy our jokes and our uninformed perspectives. Uh, Until next time.